God didn't create anything evil. Everything that we call sin is a good thing, a good passion, a good desire that's used in the wrong time, the wrong amount, or the wrong way. Hello, this is Pastor John. This is Pastor Tim. This is the Every Moment His podcast coming at you from Kearney, Nebraska. And we're talking about sin today. Yeah, fun. <laughs> and, yeah, fun times. Uh, and namely, you know, what is sin and how sin isn't necessarily what we think it is. And so we kind of want to take a look at some of the different biblical ways that, that Scripture talks about sin. Uh, and we're talking about this because we're preaching on Romans. Romans 1, 18 and following kind of diagnoses sin hmm. um, in pretty great detail. And so, Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than we think. Like, oh, you just did something wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, what I got put in time out for as a kid. It's like there's a little bit deeper meanings to that. Yeah. So before we get there, let's, let's have the customary dad joke. Yep. All right. Pastor John, did you hear the one about the guy with the broken hearing aid? No. Yeah, neither did he. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I okay. actually anticipated that as you were saying it. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it, sometimes it, you can't help it. Yeah, you know it's coming. Right. It's like a slow motion yeah. train wreck. You know? It's like, I, yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so sin um, is one of those words that we... It's kind of a church word. Yeah. Kind of a Bible word. And it's kind of lost its meaning. Yeah. There's some words that kind of lose their meaning after time. Mm -hmm. They need to be redefined because, yeah, it can mean like just a no-no. I think maybe some forces in our era would say sin is just whatever makes you feel bad. Right? We'd inflate it with just bad feels. Or we can kind of psychologize it away Mm -hmm. and say, well, sin is, you know, just kind of these social constructs and, and you know, these taboo things. I guess that'd be kind of more of a sociology, anthropology move. Yeah. But, but we can also kind of say that, you know, sin is maybe not your fault because your environment or your genes, the society in which you live kind of like made this a necessity that you do these things. And um, however, in scripture, you know, God does us the dignity of actually holding us accountable for mm. our actions because scripture teaches that we're created in God's image. And so God treats us as his image. He gives us the dignity of saying that like, and actually a lot of our, the distinctions we make in law, like premeditated versus in cold blood and, you know, Mm. first degree, second degree, you know, manslaughter, those things, actually they, they come from this understanding that we are, we are moral people who are able to do moral things. Yeah, discern right from wrong. Yeah, we're not just creatures of instinct. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna put a cat up on trial for killing a hundred mice in a week. Well, although that would, would be righteousness. That, cat a reward. Yeah. that would be righteousness <laughs> yeah. for cats. Right, right. Um, I'd put a cat on trial for, you know, like peeing on the carpet or just <laughs> having a bad attitude, but. Um, That's right. Yeah. But so sin has a, a little bit, of a technical meaning. It does. And, and, you know, so first let's go to the words in scripture. So in, in Hebrew, it's the word kata. 
Mm. Um, and it means to miss the mark. Right, right. So, so yeah, it's important to understand, well, what's the mark, right? Yeah, so the mark, I think, is directly correlated to who God is and who he created us to be in relationship to him and others. So when we think about the mark, it's like, what's the target for my relationship with God as a human being? You know, to, and I think we see that in commandments one through three, worship God alone, respect and use his name properly, mm -hmm. and honor the Sabbath day, worship him, hear mm -hmm. his word. Uh, what's the mark for our, I guess we'd say our horizontal relationships with our neighbor? It'd be love neighbor, yeah. um, that we don't harm our neighbor yeah, in any way steward those relationships in a godly way. So we're going to mm. honor those people who brought us into this world and trained us and fed us. And yeah. we're going to make sure life. that we respect other people in their bodies and support them. And we're going to respect boundaries around family and sexuality. We're going to... Mm -hmm. Property, yeah. reputation. And so it, I mean, it's all of that, right? It's like, and I think one thing that's useful, and we were talking about this earlier uh, but we have a hard time understanding just how holy and righteous God is. What yeah. he expects of us. He expects us to hit the mark 100% bullseye. And he created us to do that project. Uh, and that means when we are corrupted, we continually miss the mark. Mm -hmm. uh, both in heart, in mind, in word, in deed, in actions. And that compounded over time is a disaster, right? So the word kata from Hebrew to miss the mark, that's one way to think of it. Um, you know, if, if you want just a solid definition for what sin, iniquity, transgression, our basic problem is that Christ came to redeem us from, if you want just a solid definition from that, I would argue that there's, there's a couple different angles you can look at it from. And so for our purposes, for Romans, you know, Paul says in 118, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Um, before we get to like specific actions, doing certain things, saying things that are wrong, Paul first talks about uh, really our relationship to God. Um, it says in verse 21, for all the, though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so it almost seems like Paul is locating sin in idolatry, yeah, in worshiping Worship the created rather than the creator. Yeah, and there's a twofold issue there, right? There's not worshiping the true creator, mm -hmm. not worshiping the source of all good things, and instead worshiping something else, something that he gave to you, right? So so yeah, it's a it's a worship issue, sin. Yeah, it, it's a worship. It's really it deals with our affections. Mm. So our affections are really it's our heart. It's what motivates, it's actually what even motivates our intellect, I think. Hmm. I don't think that our logic is motivated by logic or our reason is motivated by reason. It's motivated by the affections of the heart. 
of what we actually want to be true or not true. Mm. And, no, well, and this is, the Bible talks so much about this, you know, that our relationship with God, our faith is not just an intellectual ascent to mm-hmm. knowledge. We're not just right. computers, right? But, you know, what is the sacrifices of our God? It's a broken, broken a contrite heart. heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't care about sacrifices. He wants your, your heart to draw near to him. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the Bible says in Ezekiel that God's going to give us new hearts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so his, when our hearts belong to him, they're not foolish and darkened um, going after other gods that are inventions, but they're aligned with reality. They're aligned with truth. It's interesting that both the heart and the mind are mentioned by hmm. Paul. He says that they, as a result of them not honoring God or thanking him, that they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's hmm. a yeah, yeah. intellectual distortion and a darkening of the heart, which leads then, I think, to actions. So then in verse 24, you know, God gives them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Yeah, so, so yeah. Yeah, just one quick thought on Go that. Ahead. is just that it's the darkened heart and the distorted thinking of the human person that leads to distorted actions in our bodies. And so then Paul goes on to talk about, you know, distorted sexuality. And then he talks about, you know, distorted ways of using our passions, really. He talks about murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanders, boastful, all these different things. So it's almost like, I, th- I think of sin this way is that like, the misplaced worship, the idolatry is like the virus that like inhabits the cells. And then the things that we'd call actual sins, like breaking the commandments, adultery, stealing, murder, gossip, these things are like the symptoms, like the sneezing and the fever and the chills and the runny nose, you know? Totally. So I, I think it's important, you know, one of the ways I like to talk about this is because it is a internal issue mm-hmm. um, because it's an internal issue we can't solve it and so I think there's a profoundness to sin that is a little bit hard to grasp but you know it's like if you need heart surgery who's going to solve that yeah you can't yeah. do that yourself right you know that's not like a DIY thing right uh, you don't google heart surgery it's a good way to die. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to die. And it's true. I mean, and this is one of the points that Luther gets to in his book, The Bondage of the Will, is that it's not so much that human beings can't set them f- them, themselves free from sin. It's that they mm. won't. So that they don't even want to. Yeah. It's that we're bound to sin and, and we can't even choose God or come to him or love what's right. We need to have, basically, it's like the language of addiction, Hmm. that we really need to have like an intervention. Yeah. And I liked, you know, we, you uh, preached and defined the word salvation. And salvation is a rescue, right? Mm-hmm. It's when you, you're absolutely stuck. You have no option. You're, you're sunk, right? 
and someone intervenes in a rescue. And I think this is what sin needs to be for every Christian is it's this force that's within me, that's outside of me too, that I am absolutely helpless against and it's blinding me, it's darkening my heart, it's yeah. turning me into a fiend and I can't make it stop, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's like Paul gets to that in Romans 7. He says even for the Christian, that every Christian has a criminal living inside of them. I mm. mean, or a, like a belligerent toddler, you know. And we just <laughs> have thing. to be aware of that. <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes as Christians, it comes out. And yeah. we have to crucify it and repent. Well, this isn't it. So uh, original sin, nights. So this is what theologians have called original sin. That yeah. There is a, a problem and, I, you know, it's genetic. It's, it's a, deep it's in us. Deep, yeah, right? it's, it's in our bones. It's like you, we see, and this is where Christianity actually in talking about original sin actually is same, saying something very positive about humanity. Mm-hmm. So we think, oh, original sin, that's that makes people feel bad. I mean, we're just born this way. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. stop but judging. If, yeah, stop judging, yeah. Um, we need to understand original sin kind of the way that you would understand like a virus or a sickness, meaning that like, we still recognize the goodness of humanity. Being human is so good that Christ, our Lord, assumed our human nature, mm-hmm. became human. And so we, and Luther says that we need to keep sin and human nature as far away apart as possible. You know, they're mm-hmm. completely distinct mm-hmm. because human nature's good, but human nature's been corrupted. Now, if you're a secular person, if you are a person who believes there's no God, kind of evolution as the explanation for everything, blind chance, natural selection. That means that our our sin, what we would call sin or criminal behavior or just, you know, evil is actually part of what it means to be human. Hmm. It's part of the way that we learn how to survive yeah. and pass our genes on. So you actually cannot judge it, right? Because it's actually a good thing in, the, in that schema, this is how we survive. So uh, like murder, <laughs> competition for resources, it's mm. just survival of the fittest, right? So Yeah, and in our modern society we live in, we'd say, oh, these things aren't advantageous, and so we can say they're mm-hmm. wrong. They're not wrong in a cosmic sense of like, yeah. there's a God who says they're wrong. They're wrong in the sense that they're, that they're not advantageous for society. Um, but, you know, if it gets to, say, sexual ethics, like, why is adultery wrong? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if that's just the way somebody's wired yeah. to pass their genes on? Um, I even read an article that said that, that, you know, that men who commit adultery, uh, they're kind of the alpha male, you know. They're, sure. they're like, <laughs> they're just really good at, you know, they have a strategy for passing their genes on, even, right. even if that means breaking social norms yeah right so just that positive you know superior genetics yeah get out there right and and so but scripture is arguing that no that this thing we call sin is a corruption of our human nature is alien to us that there's really nothing god didn't create anything evil everything that we call sin is a good thing a good passion a good desire that's used in the wrong time the wrong amount or the wrong way. That's C.S. Lewis, and I think yeah. he got that from Aquinas. But um. So the uh, concept of original sin, actually, 
uh, helps us to see the goodness and reflect on the goodness of humanity. Like mm-hmm. humans are meant to not to be this way. So it gives us a credible way to understand the corruption that we all inherently experience. Yeah. And so we can like, say, yeah, this isn't really who we were meant to be. Right. But we have to do that in such a way that we understand the goodness of creation. So for example, our passions, desires, instincts, are not in and of themselves bad, but when they are subjected to sin, they become bad. Hmm. And the reason is because they cross boundaries. Hmm. So there's a word that the Lutheran confessions use in talking about original sin. And they got it from Augustine called concupiscence. Yeah, that's a fun word. That's a fun word, concupiscence. It's a $10 word, concupiscence? concupiscence. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's yeah. a Latin word. It comes from a Greek word. Uh, well, there's a Greek correlation, which is epithumia, which means where we get the word lust hmm. or desire. And it means, and it actually comes from a Hebrew word. That, well, there, all these words line up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that means to covet. Hmm. And so to covet, epithumia, desire, lust, concupiscence really has this idea of intensely wanting something beyond the boundary. Hmm. And so, for example, in Genesis 3, you know, as Eve is tempted, uh, she desires this fruit to make her wise, right? And so really, I think what's going on there. like God. Yeah, is that sin is this me as a human being living beyond the boundaries of what God has set for me. Yeah. No good thing can exist apart from boundaries. Every boundary mm-hmm. that you see, whether it's a line on the road or a door is a boundary, you know, like a fence is a boundary. Every boundary, we, we, a cell is a boundary. Mm-hmm. The membrane yeah. on a cell. Our skin. Our skin's a boundary. Yeah. Every boundary that exists is for the sake of something good. And I think sin is this breaking of the boundary. Yeah, interesting. So let, let me explore something with you because we've been thinking a lot, and I have in the last couple of years, about anxiety. Okay. Because anxiety, we're in an anxious age. I, I don't think anyone would say we're less anxious today than we have been. Agreed. Even though overall we're so much better off than 100 years ago worldwide as far as money and standard of living, poverty and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, people are absolutely anxious. And I've wondered if at the heart of anxiety, and not saying this to shame anyone who has like uh, biological anxiety issues, but think about it with us. Don't feel condemned. But if you think about anxiety, <laughs> is the first anxiety coming from, I don't want to be a creature. I want to be in charge of more than what God has given me to be in charge of. Mm, mm-hmm. So like the temptation for, to Eve, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's L- a lot of responsibility. No kidding. Like, yeah. do you think you can really handle all that and just, just make all those judgments and have the wisdom to do all those things? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of the anxiety that we... Ex- so let's be clear. There is anxiety that is... Yeah. Um, well, let me say this. All anxiety, I think, arises from sin, but sometimes the anxiety we experience arises from sins that were done to us. Mm-hmm. 
like we have traumatic experiences and it's like that that book the body keeps score yeah you know that yeah. there's this physiology to like our brains are really good at saying like you experienced a traumatic thing let's be ready for the next time right right here comes anxiety and and so if you've had a really traumatic experience potentially from the sin of others or the rough edges of living in a broken world um but some anxiety i think we bring on to ourselves because it is this like if you worship god alone that's calm and peace if you try to have other gods there's some anxiety yeah it's a little hard to um to call that out as a spiritual problem sometimes because of you know there's there's biological realities to these things oh yeah for sure but i think if you just okay maybe there is something spiritual going on with me maybe you know i knew someone that i i loved right good family friend and she was absolutely consumed with keeping a razor sharp edge on the latest news it was like her full-time job she actually had to get away from her other responsibilities so she could pay attention to this and she just kind of like was wrapped around this like you cannot control world affairs and government mm. affairs like you barely are useful in in all that energy you're spending yeah it's just not where god has placed your boundaries well so yeah that's kind of the the, the friction the heat mm -hmm. that occurs from idolatry because um so like if you're gonna if you're gonna worship money then you're gonna be anxious about the loss yeah. of it and the gaining of it if you're gonna worship your your good looks i mean you're gonna be anxious when you yeah. age right? every, every wart's gonna be a disaster yeah right yeah. um and you know every wrinkle in line yeah and just the things that we worship our idols really work us hard and they make us anxious and so i would say that yeah sometimes anxiety can be can be a byproduct of of our sin or idolatry because we're trying to find our identity in something that's not stable and so i think every yeah. christian should kind of recognize like what anxiety am i having that is maybe something i'm dealing with physiolo is a physiological yeah. deal like it's wired into me through stuff that's happened to me versus maybe those things i'm kind of bringing on to myself because i'm worshiping something that doesn't give life yeah it's a good thought yeah so anyway we started this conversation on sin yeah <laughs> i think to to leave on on a sense of the gospel right right well, what does God do to solve this heart rebellion? Mm. Yeah, right? he, that's what Romans is all about. Absolutely. I mean, I, here's some words. First word is justification. Mm -hmm. Justified, to be declared righteous. That's, what, that's got what God does in the cross of Christ is he provides a means by which sinners, anxious sinners, can be declared in the right, mm. be given a status of of, of righteousness um not by our works because yeah. our works make us anxious right yeah and romans 5 you know is kind of a key, one of the, there's so many good verses but romans 5 says you know if we have been saved from god's wrath how is that it saved from god's wrath how much more will we be saved by his life yeah in christ jesus 
Well, that word life is, is a good one too because we have this idea of new life. So not only justification, which means right. we've been given on, the, on account of Christ through faith, we've been given a right standing with God, which is forensic. It's like a legal yeah. courtroom. Innocent. innocent. Innocent declaration. Not only that, we've been given a new heart. Right. We call this regeneration. We call this being born again. We call this, you know, being made alive in Christ. And, and that is really a way that God releases us from sin. He, he gives us a new heart that desires the right things. Hmm. And then he begins this process in us of holiness or sanctification by which he's making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Um, he's undoing the work of mm. sin. Yeah. So I guess another way to put it is in the Romans, God declares us free from the penalty of sin. Right. And also he begins to release us from the power of sin, the influence it has over our lives. You know what? It kind of ties into me. I really love this kind of dual nature of salvation that he not only pays the penalty, but he also pays for our restoration. You know, if you think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, like this is what he does, right? He yeah. saves the guy who's beat up, bloody, dying. He takes him to a hotel, right? He takes him to an inn. He pays that that guy might be restored. Mm -hmm. Abs all of it's grace. Yeah. Um, but not only does he just save us from the immediate peril, but he pays for our restoration and mm -hmm. he's invested in that. And I think that's, that's a good way to be relieved of some of the anxiety that comes yeah. from yeah, it's our that, sin. It's, you know, cause we think of sin as a thing that needs to be forgiven. That's yeah. true. That's what justification is. It's not just that sin is also something that needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. And so really what Jesus does is he takes on our human nature as the son of God, as he's come to restore our human nature, really restore in us the image of God. Because if sin is, as the church fathers called it, the loss of original righteousness, the shattering and the breaking of the image of God, if that's what sin does, then the gospel is that God is putting us back together. He's sort of like restoring us like an old junky car, you know, yeah. he's putting us, he's putting on a new, new engine, new finish, new body work, and he's making yep. us New wheels and tires. Yeah. Whole, the whole Rolling twenties. Yep. Rolling twenties. Yeah. Good. All right. So that's that's sin and God's answer to our sin. Right. So kind of a depressing, sad topic, but once you get into it and you reckon with it and you start to think about what God does to undo it, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, I, I came across a Luther quote, we can end here probably, but uh he said when the devil accuses me of being a sinner, I rejoice because Jesus died for sinners. Yep, I fit the profile. There we go. All right, well, we'll see you next time. We'll continue our journey uh, through Romans. Amen.